I don't know if you saw the movie or not, Collateral Beauty, but it's a great beginning. That's how it begins. And, and Will Smith in this character is really struggling to understand love. He's struggling to understand time. And he's struggling to understand death because it's something very personal in his life. And he says, we're here to connect. These three things connect every single human being on earth. We long for love. We wish we had more time. Don't we wish we had more time? And we fear death. And so the rest of the movie is a story about how he writes these letters to love. He writes these letters to time. He actually goes to the mailbox and mails these letters. He writes letters to death. And when time shows up to meet him, time says, I'm time. I'm a gift and your wasting it and and that's kind of a, a theme I think in, in in life in general we get these days we get these 24-hour gifts and these 24-hour moments and what do we do with them and what do we do with them in terms of who God is Francis Chan in his book Crazy Love overwhelmed by a relentless God put it this way our greatest fear as individuals and as a church should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. If you think about that, it just nails the, this theme of I'm time, I'm a gift, and you're wasting it. It nails it right to the heart of everything that we need to be aware of. We're here to connect. We long for love. We wish we had more time. We fear death. CNN reported a story on Thursday that grabbed my attention. Not only did it grab my attention, it just shook me almost, maybe almost, to the very core of my being. Mark Zuckerberg explains why he just changed Facebook's mission. That was the title of the story. And, and that grabbed me right there because I'm wondering, like, what's this change mission all about? And, and just for the record, I'm not on Facebook. I've never been on Facebook. I've hardly ever seen Facebook. So, you know, I just, I don't really get into that world. But it intrigued me that, that he was changing the mission. And he was changing the mission of Facebook based upon this thought, connecting people online is not enough. This is what he said. We used to have a sense that if we could just do those things, then that would make a lot of the things in the world better by themselves. Get people connected. But now we realize that we need to do more too. It's important to give people a voice to get a diversity of opinions out there. But on top of that, you also need to do this work of building common ground so that way we can all move forward together. And I'm reading this and I'm going, this is starting to sound very, very familiar to me because of what I've given the, the vast majority of the years of my life to. And then here's the new mission statement. To give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together, to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. 
Does this sound familiar at all to anyone? Huh? It's almost like he stole this right out of the Bible. It's almost like he stole this right from, from Jesus himself. And, and certainly it's not all the theology of the Bible or, or all the theology that we get from Jesus, but it's, it's moving decidedly in that direction. Instead of just connecting people, now it's, you know, he's thinking, he's got hours and hours and hours to think, and he goes, we need to give people the power to build community and bring the world closer together. And so I'm, I'm going, this, this sounds a little bit like, like we got ripped off here. The previous mission statement was to give people the power to share and make the world more open and connected. You start to read that now and you go, well, that's a little tepid. That's a little tepid. Uh, the key words in the new mission statement are build community and closer together. And then it gets, it gets even better because you go, how, how are you going to do that? How are you thinking about doing that, Mark? And he goes, groups, groups, Facebook groups. The new emphasis is on groups, as Zuckerberg expresses, express, stresses the importance of community. And this is what he says. A lot of important stuff that needs to happen in the world is global. None of these things can happen just by one country or group of people deciding to do it. There's no top-down structure to enable that. So the will, the will to do this needs to be built from the bottom up. So the push is for what are called meaningful groups. Meaningful groups. He says creating these groups is increasingly important as membership in real-world organizations, hold on, in real-world organizations, get ready, like unions, get ready, churches and PTAs decline. So in other words, since, since the church isn't really in movement of doing something like this, then we just have to muscle this out ourselves. So think about it. Now just think about it. This is one of the biggest organizations in the world today. It's valued at like $440 billion. It pushes toward or is right at a billion users. Um, and the guy who's at the head of it is thinking and pondering and thinking and pondering and thinking and pondering. And he, he basically comes up with a biblical idea without the Bible. He basically comes up with a Jesus idea without Jesus. And I, I'm, not, I'm not judging Mr. Zuckerberg. I'm not even casting aspersions upon him or against him. I'm just observing. I'm just, I'm just looking at this and going, he needs something in his life. He wants something for everybody to experience. And he's got power and influence that's global. And basically, he comes up with the same idea that, that God has been about all the time. But he, he just divests it of a spiritual core. He divests it of a relationship with Jesus Christ. He basically says, we can do this. We can muscle this out ourselves. How's that working? What's that look like? It's a fascinating article, and you can just Google it and read it for yourself and look at it 
because it was blowing me away as I read it. And the essence of it is, honey, we all need something to give our lives to. And we all need something to really believe in and, and, and pour the energy and the effort and the time of our lives into. And we all need to be together in something. So what are you going to be together with? Who are you going to be together with? Why church? Why church? In Matthew chapter 16, one of my favorite passages, we're going to pick it up at verse 13. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, who are people saying I am? When people are talking about me, are they getting this? They replied, some say John the Baptist. I, I heard somebody say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Some people are saying Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says this. And imagine he's saying this to you this morning. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the, the one that we've been waiting for and waiting for and waiting for and waiting for. You are the one that the prophets spoke about. You are the one that there are prophecies attached to. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And there's a, let's just stop there for a second. There's something really interesting going on. This has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, you didn't just get this from brain power. You didn't just get this because you thought about it and you thought about it and you thought about it and you were trying to come up with a way to bring everybody together. You didn't come up with this by some some fanciful new idea of, of connecting people and community. The only way you got here is because God led you here. Because God revealed this in your mind and in your heart. And, and I can remember that moment in my life when, when I, with all the pondering and all the questioning and all the searching, I couldn't figure life out. And I was desperate to figure life out. And then God revealed his son to me. And I was not expecting it, but he did it. But by my Father in heaven. And when that happens, something, something new starts to happen. You get connected in a whole new way. It's not just connected online. It's connected in your mind, in your heart, with the mind and the heart of the, the creator of the universe. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And we're not going to talk about all the ins and outs this morning about the, the rock and Peter the rock and the rock and, and, and all that, that side of this. But I am going to tell you that on this rock I will build my church and I'll, I'll, I'll put myself on the line here, that has nothing to do with Peter. It has to do with 
You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. On this rock, I will build my church. I once heard the chaplain of the United States Senate speak in Williamsburg. And I've told you this story before, but I'll remind, it, I'll remind you again today. Richard Halverson. He stood up there at the Williamsburg Community Chapel. And he said, the church is whatever Jesus meant when he said church. And I thought, what? What's that even mean? I wrote it down in the back of my Bible. The church is whatever Jesus meant when he said church. It was a brilliant statement. It's a very simple statement, but a very insightful statement. Because whatever Jesus meant here when he said, I'll build my church, that's what church is. If there's an answer to why church, that's the answer right there. And if you will give me a few moments to, to rattle your brains a little bit, was there a church at that time? No. There was no church. There was no First Baptist Church. There was no First Presbyterian Church. There was no Willow Creek Community Church, Spring Branch Community Church. There was no Methodist Church. There, there was no Pentecostal Holiness Church. Uh, there was no church. Didn't, didn't even exist. So when he says, I'll build my church... What's he even talking about? The church is whatever Jesus meant when he said church. So you, you grab that word and you look at it, and it's a word that comes from the common language of the first century. It's the word ecclesia, and, and ecclesia is a prefix, ek, and klesia. It's these two things put together, two concepts put together. Anytime you, you added a prefix, ek, to anything, it meant to add force or power to. So first thing we know is there's force and there's power involved. The next thing, the klesia, is to, to call out, to, to proclaim, to go out and to make sure everybody hears. And, and in those days, it had a lot more to do with politics than it had to do with anything religious. And if you, if you put that into the equation of, of today's political stuff that goes on, there's a lot of calling out, isn't there? There's a lot of shouting, isn't there? There's a lot of, you need to know my opinion, isn't there? And so what Jesus is, is saying is, I'm going to create a movement of people that go out and make sure that everybody knows that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And these people are going to do this creatively. They're going to do it with, with great love. They're going to do it with amazing grace. They're going to do it with a, a sense of, of deep discipleship and an obligation because I'm going to give my life for them and they're going to realize that they could never, ever pay for their own sins, so I'm going to take care of that, and they're going to realize that the only thing they can do is give their life back to me, and the proclamation of the greatest message in the world, as a matter of fact, the only message that really connects anybody to anything that's really worthwhile. I'll build my 
church, this movement of people. So the church, right from the beginning, was never a building. It was never a bunch of seats in a room. Although having a bunch of seats in a room is a good thing because we have to come together and remind each other of what we're doing at least once a week because it's easy to forget it. It's just like a locker room that a sporting team has where they get together at halftime. They go, we have to remember we're playing football. We're not doing a ballet. And sometimes some teams have to remind themselves of that in the middle of the game, that they're not out there to dance around and do nothing. They're out there to go toward a goal line and score points. And so what goal line are we going to? What are the points that we're putting on the board to, to make some sports analogies, especially for you guys out there, because I think I'm losing you. But, hey, what Jesus is saying is this is like, this is something great to do. We're going to do this together. This is going to be amazing. And then one of the great tellings of this story is in John 17, where Jesus looks toward heaven and prays. And this is his prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. If you didn't know this before, I'll just mention to you today, you don't get eternal life through Facebook in any way, shape, or form, okay? Uh, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began before the whole Genesis 1-1 thing happened in the beginning. Before that, he was with God. He is eternal. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. This is, this is a picture of what he said, I will build my church. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It's this movement. It's this forceful movement of going into the world to proclaim the truth of who Jesus Christ is. For they, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. Here it comes. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That's Jesus praying for you. 
right there. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He's saying it's dependent The world is dependent upon us showing great love and unity to each other. And as we go together, the requirement is to show great love and unity. Otherwise, it all starts to fall apart and it all starts to break down. And the world says, you look just like we look, so we'll just stay on Facebook because it's a lot safer and it's a lot easier and it costs me a lot less of my time, energy, and money. It is encourage you to read John 17 and find your heart in those words that Jesus was saying to his disciples and those words that he was praying for us. And if you go to Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29, it unpacks this way. He, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, fully mature in Christ. That's a goal. That's where we're driving toward. That's where we're trying to put points on the board. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul says, I will give my guts for this. You go to chapter 2 and you start to read this in verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So the church is all about that, living our lives in him, rooted in him, built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we are taught about him, overflowing with being thankful because of all the things that he does in us and through us. You continue in chapter 2 of Colossians 8 through 10. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. In other words, you can read an article like this article about Facebook, and you can say, that's great, let me join that movement, and you have become captive of a hollow and deceptive philosophy. Not that... Technology is, is, is in and of itself evil because technology is what I'm using right now to communicate to you. There's technology right there. Uh, my voice is amplified. Technology is, is a good thing. But when it becomes your savior, when it becomes the focus of your life so that it's like the Lord of your life, you have become captive of a lie. And so Paul says, don't become captive of all the lies that are in the world rather than becoming captive by Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And then it says, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly 
as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. One of the reasons we, we started off this service by singing, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why? Because he said, I will build my church. He said, I will build a movement of people, people who want peace in their hearts, people who want to be thankful, people who want to let the message of Christ dwell inside of them as a community of people connected by the Holy Spirit in a rich way, singing together, teaching together, learning together. It uses the word admonish. You have to sometimes go to somebody and say, that's not good that you're doing that. Maybe we should think about doing something different. All of this through wisdom and grace. And this is what the church is. Why church? What else is there that is worth giving your life to for not just now, but forever, for eternity. What are you doing that's going to last forever? This is it. And when the church becomes anemic or when the church stops doing that, when the church becomes, are my needs getting met? We are not doing church the way Jesus asked us to do church. And so when I, when I come down to trying to understand this thing called church, first thing I come up with is it, it's, it begins with knowing God personally. It just does. And this morning, if you know God personally through his son, Jesus Christ, then you are, you are in what he wanted you to be in, this thing called the church. And, and that takes energy and effort and commitment, just like any relationship takes energy and effort and commitment. And if you need to know Christ personally this morning for the first time, then I'll pray with you over here after the service, or somebody will pray with you over here after the service, because you're not going anywhere. You're just spinning your wheels unless you have that relationship. And then the church is about lifelong learning. You never stop learning, ever, ever, ever. Through all the years that I've been in school, I am still learning today. And the, the big secret about learning is that it, it just never ends. You might finish a course. You might finish a run of classes. You might get a degree. You might get another degree. You ne you're never going to stop learning. And degrees are just markers in time where you go, okay, I finished that. And the moment you finish that, guess what happens? you got to start learning something else. So you are always learning. And the church is about always learning. That's why we have classes and Bible studies and small groups, life groups. It's a lifelong commitment. It's not something you jump into and jump out of according to how you feel. It's a lifelong mission. I thought I circled these things and all these things are coming up. It's a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong mission. It's saying, it's saying, how are we doing with going out there and serving the world, being this movement of people that are going to make things happen? It's a lifelong faith. And, and faith is something that can be small as a mustard seed. It can move a mountain, Jesus said. It's lifelong friendships. It's, it's leaning into each other and being really connected, not just online connected, you know, where you still can demand you know, your own way and your own stuff. But this is Holy Spirit connected, where God is doing something in us, and I become your servant, and you become my servant. And it's always easy to go, oh, I like it when somebody becomes my servant. But Jesus became a servant. He got down and washed feet. He said, if I, your Lord, do this, then you should do this for each other. 
And here it is. And I'm just going to keep pounding this and pounding this and pounding this because I think it just is, is all wrapped up in these few words. Everybody connected to ministry and mission because of what Jesus called us to do. Everybody looking like Jesus because that changes the whole game. When we stop saying, I want this, I need this, and we go, Jesus, what do you need? What do you want? And we're connected. Why church? What else is worth giving your life for? Everything about your life. We long for love. We wish we had more time. We fear death. And Jesus Christ answers everything that is, is that struggle. He loves us unconditionally. He gives us all the time we need to accomplish his will on the earth. If you're here right now, he's still giving you all the time you need to accomplish what he wants you to do. And you don't have to fear death because you're not going to die. Because when you believe in him, you're going to live forever. Francis Chan put it in such a beautiful way. Our greatest fear as individuals and as a church should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Let's not succeed in what doesn't really matter. Let's grab this, this mission that he's given us. Let's grab this responsibility that he has given us. I will build my movement of people that will change the world because of who I am. Why, church, do you have anything better to give your life to? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to hear the words of Jesus. Thank you so much for allowing us to experience his heartbeat, his love for us, his grace for us. Dear Heavenly Father, in every way this morning, let us give our lives to you. Let us be, let us be the church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.